0: I want to lie down. I want to
1: down. I ain't all that sleepy. I want to lie down. I want to
0: lie down. I want to lie down. I ain't all that sleepy. I want to lie down. Oh, what got the matter, baby? Yeah, I, can't see. Yeah, I can't see. Well, hello and welcome to the American Writers 100 Pages at a Time podcast. So, uh, in this episode, I will be uh, talking about the rest of The American Fugitive in Europe by William Wells Brown. Um I covered the first pa- part of this book in the last uh episode and i don't have that much more to add in a fundamental way um if anything the second half of this book even more of a travelogue than the first half of the book and and that's fine that's my feeling on that is that's that's actually kind of great because it's the more i think about it the more i i think we really should um you know it's it's wrong to expect of a former slave just to write about slavery, right? It's not their job necessarily to educate the the world about slavery and everything they write. Um, and I think that's kind of what makes this book special. I was, I was originally wanting more of this, you know, really this experience of a black man in in Europe during the time of, of you know, when slavery was still thriving in the United States and that contrast between them and you do see that in some African American narratives of their travels in Europe right it's certainly a theme in some of the stuff Douglas wrote about his time in in Europe but this actually makes the fact that that's not a major theme of this book makes it even more more significant in a way right because it it shows someone actually writing as a an American tourist, someone who has, you know, who has managed to get a pretty significant education uh, through his own labors um, after escaping slavery, um, being exposed to many new things and new experiences, and 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 learning a lot. Right? It's it's very much a it's a travel but it's also a a document of a of a man's exploration of 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 Western literature and European literature and poetry. Um, so I think there's some really so I think the work stands on its own as the travel log. And that's what I said last time. But I'm I'm more convinced of it of it now. Um, doesn't mean I'm going to have a whole lot to say about it, because it is uh, a bit of a tour of 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 Europe, especially the second half. Uh, or a tour of Britain, really, in the second half. He In the first half, we saw him go to the those peace conferences in, in, in Paris and in Versailles and experience some of the sites um and locales and memorials of the french revolution the second half of the book focuses much more on his it's pretty much all in britain i think it's all in britain yeah until he finally leaves for america in the final chapter um you know basically moving between scotland and london you know, he Takes some trips to to scotland and some yeah i think two trips to scotland and he spends most of the rest of the time in in the london area and, and sees those sites. So um, I guess that's all I really have in the way of introduction um, to, this, um, to this book. So uh, we start out with him, his, him traveling to, to Scotland. Um, and, you know, he was really interested in Mary, Queen of Scots. Um, uh, what else? He visited the house of John Knox, the Protestant reformer um, for instance, and, uh, some of the sites of the Stuart Kings and, and things like that. So it's, um, it's a nice little survey of, uh, of some of the, the highlights, I guess, of Scottish history. Um, at one point he does, does get into the contrast between slavery in America and relative freedom in, in Britain. Uh, but these are just hints, these are just hints. Again, this is not the main theme of the book. It's just, I guess what my eyes sort of gravitate to as, as I read this and and what kind of sticks out to me. And that, that's again. It's kind of me expecting a certain type of story. From, from Brown. Which. Uh, you know. The more I think about it. Uh, I think it's, it's, it's not fair to, to do that. But anyways. I'm going to do it nonetheless. <laughs> um, quote. On returning from our morning visit. This is in Scotland. Um, On returning from our morning visit. We met a gentleman with a colored lady in each arm. C remarked in a very dry manner. If we were in Georgia, the slaveholders would make them walk in a more hurried gait than they do. I said to my friend that if he meant that pro-slavery prejudice would not suffer them to walk peacefully through the streets, they need go no further than the pro-slavery cities of New York and Philadelphia. When walking through the streets, I amused myself by watching C's continents, and in doing so, imagined that I saw the changes experienced by every fugitive slave in his first month's residence in this country. A sixteenth month's residence had not yet familiarized me with the change. End quote. So even a year and a half into his time in Europe, he's not fully um, used to the differences, but he's certainly aware of them. Um, he spends a significant amount of time in Melrose, uh, and here he's he does mention some of the anti-slavery work he's he's doing before uh, leaving Scotland. Um, he would he'll come back to Scotland a little bit later on, though. Um, now he spends a significant amount of time as well after this in. The roof, or the home of Harriet uh, Martineau. Harriet Martineau was a major anti-slavery worker, um, and she, through her, he's able to talk a little bit about gender and slavery, um, and basically something you see if you study the anti-slavery movement in the United States is the focus on. Uh, female abolitionists focusing on the devastation to family right and this is a major major theme of wells's work in clotel and his narrative is the damage slavery does to normal family relations right this is normally something that that women abolitionists tended to focus on Um, But here you get a bit of it as well, you know, this idea like, oh, if like our sisters are treated this way in America, we should do something about it. Right. Really kind of hinting, going at the moral argument. Right. Which I I think you still see evidence of this. Right. Uh, In in uh, in movements where you have different gender politics informing how people see and engage in different struggles for for freedom whether it's the labor movement or or any other kind of uh struggle for equality so anyways after staying with this uh woman for a while he he has a much more touristy uh a set of vignettes um a lot of it's centered around the the crystal palace great ex- exhibition the, um, so that great that world's fair i guess is what we call it uh that expedition took place in 1851 in London, and that's when Brown was there. So he was able to report on that, which is something certainly would have been of interest to, uh, to uh, readers back home. He talked a lot about the equality of the fair, the kind of not just how racial lines got broken down in admissions and to the fair and the social uh, kind of equality of the crowd uh, in the in the World's Fair. Even the class uh, equality he saw. Um, so he has, spends a couple of chapters going on about the, the London ex- exhibition of and the sites to be seen there. Um, after this, he visits Oxford, um, where he actually is able to uh, visit Alexander Crummel. Alexander Crummel was a uh, a Major African American writer of the time, uh, involved in the anti slavery movement as well, and after the, after the Civil War, would, would remain one of the major black leaders. You'd, of course, be uh, a major focus of a chapter in W.E.B. Du Bois' The Souls of Black Folk. All right, So Brown's able to visit him, who is, at the time, one of the greats of, of, uh, of the African diaspora, one of the great philosophical leaders, really, of the, of the black diaspora. I think one, now I'm not sure Brown's politics on colonization. I, I think he's basically skeptical of it based on the stuff he wrote about it in Clotel. Because you remember you had a character in that novel who f- freed, wanted to free her slaves, but then was debating what to do with them. And she kind of decides maybe colonization is the right way to go. But that's a bit criticized in the text of the novel. Of the novel. But Alexander Crummell was a major proponent of Liberia as a destination for uh for African Americans, uh, where they could maybe have more quality and kind of uh build their own their own civilization. He's one of a, he's one of a, a not insignificant number of, of African Americans who believed kind of in this early pan African ideal. He actually spent like twenty years in Liberia. But anyways he, he was in England during around the same time that Wells was. Uh, he was in England, I think, from 1847 to, to 1853 when he went to Liberia. So he, he's not—he's—he's he's an American, but he's in many ways a, a transatlantic figure, like Wells is becoming by this point in his career. Um, um, once in a while, he'll, he, what, uh, Brown will talk about his, you know, different conferences he goes to, anti slavery movements. But again, a lot of this is just uh, the different sites of, of Europe. Um, he goes to visit, like, Shakespeare's birthplace. He, um, uh, he goes to a dinner party in the home of Alexander Pope, and he expresses his admiration for Pope. And we see him, you know, being exposed to different European poets. And, and he sort of blogs about these different uh, artists that he's being exposed to. And you can tell from the text that he's reading some of these works for the very first time while he's in... In Britain, for instance, he writes, uh, "Quote: My p- visit to to Pope's villa was a short one, but it was attended with many ple- pleasing incidents. I derived much pleasure from reading his Iliad and other translations. The verse from the pen of Lord Denham that heads this chapter conveys but the faint idea of my estimate of Pope's genius and talents." End quote. So he sort of functions almost like a blogger, you know talking about different literature he's 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 reading during these um trips and he's you can tell he's often as inspired by the words he's coming across as well as the sites and the homes and the the you know the the architecture and all that um later he goes to i think this must be back in scotland he goes there's a whole chapter here about the robert burns monument Uh, i guess that's yeah it's in dumfries so he he went to visit dumfries and and lodged in the house of Robert Burns who of course is the great bard of Scotland and you have a very similar chapter where you see him you know actually writing out these poems and showing his appreciation for um, this this literature again not primarily as as an African-American reader of this just as a just as a reader just as someone who's um, being exposed to it for the first time so that's most of the book anyways i've I've said that many times but uh the climax of this book and i think there there really is sort of a climax it's chapter 31 um which focuses this is uh, the, the next chapter is him leaving for america um his entire time in britain being from 1849 to 1854 um but chapter 31 the penultimate chapter of this text is uh kind of a commemoration of the anniversary of, of West Indian emancipation, kind of the beginning of the of abolitionism in the British Empire. Um, and this allows him to, I guess, give his final thoughts about about uh, the contrast in terms of race and abolitionism and the, and the the moral values of the civilization between Great Britain and the United States. Um And he might be a little over the top here, but but we understand where that's coming from because, you know, he experienced the most brutal aspects of slavery as a slave. And he, of course, was a polemicist trying to um, convince, in this point, convince people mostly in Britain to support the anti-slavery movement. Um, Quote, to to get a sense of this, he writes this, quote, hatred to oppression is so instilled in the minds of the people in Great Britain that it needs but little to arouse their enthusiasm to its highest point yet they can scarcely comprehend the real condition of the slaves in the United States. They heard of the buying and selling of men, women, and children without any regard to the tenderest ties of nature, of the passage and execution of the infamous fugitive slave law. And as we walk through the streets of London, they occasionally meet an American slave who reminds them of the fact that while their countrymen are boasting of their liberty in offering an asylum to the exiled of other countries, they refuse it to their own citizens. End quote. Now, part of this of course is uh massaging i guess the, the the moral ego of the british but it's also many of his readers are also going to be americans so in fact it it very much reads as a travel log directed towards americans who aren't going to be able to go to britain so they can see the sights and experience what uh, brown experiences um but in that sense it's also to uh Undermine American views of moral superiority, which of course comes out of their revolution, right? And the revolution against Great Britain. But you can turn it around. He's able to turn it around and say, yeah, despite that, you're the much more oppressive society now. Britain is much more the land of liberty than even you are. And he concludes the chapter saying every American should feel a degree of humiliation when the thoughts occurred to him that not a foot of soil over which the stars and stripes wave upon which Ellen Kraft can stand and be protected by the constitutional laws of the country. Yet Ellen Kraft is as white as most white women. Had she escaped from America Aust- or had she escaped from Austrian tyranny and landed on the shores of America, her reception would have been scarcely less enthusiastic than that which greeted the arrival of Jenny Lind. But Ellen Kraft. Had the misfortune to be born in one of the slave states of the United States, and that was enough to cause her to be driven into exile for daring to escape from American despotism. Now, Alan Kraft, by the way, is a, a woman who comes up a few times in the story he's telling of his time in 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 America. Another another American fugitive in Europe, right? I mean, she almost kind of comes off sometimes as a secondary character in the in the in the tale. Wow. I guess the autobiography, if you will. So I guess that's all I really have to say about this, this book. I'm sorry for it being so short. Um, you know, I don't think it's essential reading in any sense. I, I think if you want to get the heart of Wells, I still think Clotel is is the best place to go. Um, but I think it's a notable contribution to travel literature and if you're into that kind of thing i think it's worth checking out if you want to see a a man working uh working in in a noble cause um while also expanding his education about the world i think it works as that kind of story as well um it also does you do get hints of the contrast between europe and america the kind of thing you expect it to be all about but it's not um, the kind of things we talked about when we looked at, I guess, the, the Henry James stories um, a few series back. Um, so it kind of works as that. Um, you know, it does have a, a theme of exposing some of the hypocrisy of America, but that, I don't think that's the main thing he's he's necessarily getting at in every chapter. He can't get away from it, but there's less of it than I thought there would be. And that's, again, that's just fine. I think that's, it, it, it works on its own. But I, I, I don't think you're, missing a whole lot if you if you skip this particular work unless you're really into travel logs or particularly interested in the the life and works of of William Wells Brown all right so that's it so in the next episode I I think I'll have more to say about this this text than I did the American fugitive in Europe but that is the escape or a leap to freedom which is a play he wrote um I don't have the date here Maybe I can find it. Oh, it's 1858. So this is kind of back to him fictionalizing, uh, the experience of slavery in America, uh, in a five act play. It's not quite a hundred pages. So I'll begin to talk about also the black man, which, uh, is basically a collection of mini auto, uh, mini biographies of prominent African Americans or people of African descent. They're not all Americans. Some are, um, From other places, most seem to be Americans, though. Um, but this allowed this is collectively he's creating a, a story of black achievement, and I, this might be the first book like this. Um, I'm sure there's been other, there's been other sense, but I don't know of any that come before it that quite serve this function. At least not in the United States. So once again, I, I we see. Brown kind of being a pioneer, like one of the first travel logs. I, of course, I guess all the slave narratives all function a little bit like travel logs too. equiano has a bit of that too, but in the genre of 19th century travel literature, Brown writes one of the first by an African American, if not the first. Uh, you got the first novel. Um, I think uh, the escape is the first play by uh, by a black man in the United States. So. A lot of firsts, it seems uh, to me. Um, But I'll start to get into that book as well. But I'll focus my thoughts in the next episode on The Escape, which is a a nice little play. I couldn't find it dramatized. I couldn't find a performance that I could use uh, or even a a dramatic reading of it, which is a pity. I don't know if it's often performed, um, you know, even like a high school production or something put up on YouTube. I couldn't find anything like that. And, you know, plays are meant to be, watched not read it's one reason i haven't done like tennessee williams and things like that because i would need access to the plays i wonder if there's a streaming service that has all the plays that are performed might be but i'm not going to pay for it so anyways i'll I'll read it and do the best i can with the text even though you know it's always better to to watch these performed i think all right um i guess that's it uh sorry for not saying more about this book but it's you know it's mostly a tour of, of 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 britain um with a few side of tour of england with a few side uh voyages to to scotland and france um and uh a subtext and a in a thread running through it of his anti-slavery work and and the contrast between europe and america so that's it um as always thanks for listening and i'll see you next time your mind. Right your mind. mind. Well, you won't be worried when oh, when the way. sun go down. When the sun go down, you'll never be worried when oh, down down. When, oh, the down. when the sun go down. When the sun go down.